This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to the Inspirational, Informational, and Transparent Aviation Careers Podcast. Today we have a special guest who will discuss his journey from being a U.S. Army Golden Knight to flight instructor. But before we do that, we'll begin with a few announcements. You know, if you have any questions, by the way, comments, inspirational stories, or announcements, please write us feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. Uh, say you have a special story about your career that would inspire others, uh, and you'd like to share that with others, consider being a guest or just writing into us and telling us your story. I'll read it here to the audience. Something that'll help those that are here listening is what's important, because that's what we're doing here. We're paying it forward. Speaking of paying it forward, at AviationCareersPodcast.com, one of the things that's become a very important part of my journey is helping people find scholarships and, and move their careers forward. Uh, you can help others by actually paying it forward. You can do that directly by hitting the Pay It Forward campaign or becoming a Patreon. Every $10 that we raise through either the Pay It Forward campaign or the Patreon account, we will put out a free scholarships guide. If you're someone interested in the scholarships guide, use the coupon code PAYITFORWARD, PAYITFORWARD, all one word, and uh, through the generosity of, of these folks that have donated, you may actually get a free scholarships guide. Uh, as far as the update to the guide, the recent update was uh, 36 new scholarships and four updates. And by the way, thanks for the emails. If you see like a typo or something like that, you see a scholarship that needs uh, some updating. Thanks for sending those in. I really, really appreciate that. Uh, one thing I love about the scholarships guide is it's it's never done. It's uh, It can never be 100% uh, correct. And it's always going to be a challenge for the rest of my life to keep this up to date. And it's, it's really moving people forward in their careers. But uh, speaking about moving forward in careers, uh, today we have a special guest. Dave Herwig was a U.S. or yeah, is a, was a U.S. Army Golden Knight uh, and uh, decided to change his career into flight instructing. Uh, currently, Dave's a chief flight instructor at Cape Fear Aviation. Hey, Dave, welcome to the podcast. Hey, how you doing, Carl? Appreciate having me. Yeah, man, I, uh, this is awesome. I've been watching some of your YouTube videos and uh, following you now on Instagram. What a great career you had uh, with the Army and uh, with the, the Golden Knights. Uh, but uh, So let's talk a little bit about that first, your background. Then we'll, we'll uh, talk about the change of careers, because I think a lot of people can, can glean a lot of good information from that. I think there are some people listening uh, that don't know what the U.S. Army golden knights are and i know what they are to me uh but what are and i'll explain after what they are to me so what is what is a u.s army golden knight uh the u.s army golden knights are the army parachute teams uh premier demonstration team for the army's recruiting effort that's uh, kind of like the uh navy blue angels and the air force thunderbirds were the version of that for the army and uh we traveled around all over the united states sometimes even the world uh performing at air shows special events sporting events uh doing tandem jump, jumps where we take uh, VIPs and special people on jumps and give them the first tapes of flying through the air, sort of, quote, unquote. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been a great career. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be on the, the make the team. It's not an easy thing to do. And, uh, yeah, I had a blast. So uh, the, the Golden Knights really do inspire people, and that's what they're trying to do to inspire people to look at careers and in the Army, armed forces in general. To me, on a personal note, 
uh, and this is just from many years back, the, the Golden Knights, to me, they are the people that put the U.S. flag at the center field. They bring the flag down to the field. And that's kind of what it, it has been in my experience. So we all have different ways that we view the Golden Knights. And to me, it's an incredibly important role. And I, I just love that, being, you know, uh, being so proud of the American flag and watching it come in on you guys. I think that's just, just awesome. Uh, and I'm sure you've been able to do that yourself, I assume. Oh, yeah. Yeah, many times. That was probably the most – I love that part of the show is uh, when we open up the air shows. Uh, we always jump on the, uh, you know, with the U.S. flag. Land on center on the target, standing up, get the standing, you know, the crowd going. Uh, and then, you know, in the afternoons, when we do our full show. We jump with the POW MIA flag uh, to Lee Greenwood's, uh, got, you know, um, uh, song. And, uh, man, that just it just gives me goosebumps even thinking about it right now. Wow. Uh, yeah, I've done it quite a few times. Um, I, I don't even know how many air shows I did over the years, but uh, quite a few. And that's pretty much where most people know us from. Uh, the other place would be for, you know, jumping into, uh, sporting events, college and, and pro pro events. Uh, of course we did jump president Bush, um, we, a couple times, uh, we, you know, we'll, we'll jump sports, you know, celebrities, you know, famous people all over the place. Uh, but for the most part, it's the air show that most people see us and know us from. And uh, it was always fun being on the air show network. You know, had a blast. <laughs> yeah, you guys sure do rock the the stadium or the air show wherever you are. It, it's just so wonderful watching you folks. Um, one of the things that I I think that people don't realize is the the parachute itself is very key as a role within the army. And uh, some people even ask me, is it truly relevant to this day? And what would you a answer somebody who asked that question? Is the parachute relevant today? Of course it is. Uh, you know, just in these, in the global war on terrorism that's been happening, you know, since we've been at war since 2001 and uh, it's a big deterrent. Most of all, you know, uh, most of the countries around the world, they know that 82nd Airborne Division is uh, rapid deployment. We could be anywhere in the world in 18 hours. And they just proved that back when we had the Iran uh, missile crisis here just a few weeks ago. Uh, they deployed the 82nd immediately to keep from them, you know, deterrence, basically. Um, when we jump in a big World War II type event, I, you know, who's to, who's to know? You know, I don't know. But we always have that uh, capability there. Uh to get soldiers, to get, you know, combat troops into the area really quick and hopefully put a, a stop to it. Uh, back during the Gulf War, I was in the 82nd Airborne Division and, you know, the Iraq invaded Kuwait August 2nd. We were sitting in the front lines August 5th. Um, and that was a big, big major role. We were the only units there for quite a while. Uh, just having that 82nd heritage and, you know, everybody kind of fears it. And I think that helps keep things down to a minimum and, you know, stop enemy forces want to do. So, uh, yeah, I think it's still relevant. Um, a lot of the special operations units, you still use it. Uh, there's been many jumps behind in Iraq and Afghanistan that you don't know about that, you know, uh, that happened and some of them are publicized, you know, and others aren't. So, uh, it still happens. We still use it. Yeah. It, it's kind of humbling, isn't it? That something, this this simple technology is still it, it is truly relevant today, and it's something that uh, sometimes we think about is how could something so low tech be so relevant? And it's it's just amazing to see you guys demonstrate this. And when you do that, you realize, wow, uh, we can put somebody on a spot. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so that's absolutely amazing. Uh, oh. 
But getting to the the Army, let's talk a little bit about Army careers, because there are some people that uh, listen to this podcast that think about the possibility going into the Armed Forces. And, you know, we really, truly appreciate all those that have served in our Armed Forces. And, and it is a career that can make a big difference in your life and in others. So in let's focus on the Army. Would you recommend to somebody a, a career in the Army that's uh, thinking about or doesn't know what they want to do or thinking about a career in aviation, both of those? Uh, you know, it, I was an army recruiter for three years in Northern Minnesota, which was brutal. <laughs> it's <laughs> cold. Time of year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I always got asked that question, you know, as an army recruiter, we, uh, you know, we talk about what the army has to offer. Uh, it's not for everybody. Let's just put that out there plain and simple. And I told, I would tell that to anybody, even today, it is not for everybody, uh, However, with that being said, uh, I think people would, uh, most people would, uh, that took advantage of it would like it and would enjoy it and, and not, maybe not like while they're in, but they, the advantages that you have being in any branch of the service, really, uh, I'm, yeah, my heart's towards the army, of course, but, uh, you learn so much more, the opportunities that you have. I mean, where I'm at today is all because of where the army had led me to, you know, uh, I've got a bachelor's degree paid for by the Army. Uh, most of my flight training was paid for by the Army. Um, I traveled the world. Yeah, I was in some you know austere places and not very not very fun times. But there's other times I went to Switzerland and jumped in the mountains over there for a week. Um, you know, not many people say that. You know, the opportunities are endless. And I, what I would tell people is, if you're going to go join the military or the Army, uh, you got to make it your Army, meaning. You're going to make it what it's worth. I mean, take advantage of every opportunity that's there. Take no for an answer. Uh, when I tried out for the Golden Knights, the first time I got told no. Uh, well, I really didn't try out. I was asking my command to let me go try out. And they said, no, we, we can't let you go right now. Uh, that took 10 years, well, almost 12 years to get to it. And finally, when I did finally get to go, it's like the doors opened, the air, you know, planets aligned, and everything worked out perfectly and, and ended up being on the team. But uh, I never stopped trying and I think that's where a lot of people get in, in the military and the army. They kind of just get stagnant. And then, you know, my son's in the army and I told him, I said, look, you know, you make the army what it is for yourself. You can't expect them to, to give you everything and expect them to, you know, to get a lot back in return. You've got to put forth the effort. And if you do that, you know, you're going to have a great time in the army and in any of the branches, really. Uh, the opportunities are endless. And, uh, just from the training and the leadership experience you get that you can't get anywhere else. It's just tremendous. I was 25 years old. I had 10 people working for me and I had I was in charge of $15 million worth of equipment. I mean, tell me a 25 year old that can do that right now outside the military. Yeah. That's some incredible experience. Another thing that you kind of, you said very quickly, which is huge. You were, you were actually paid while you were in the army and had your education paid for. I think that's incredible. It is. It's a very good opportunity. Uh, and we'll talk about a little bit of that later for flight training. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I and the funny thing was, is I was on the Golden Knights traveling around the country. And this is back, you know, Internet wasn't as prevalent. We were using, you know, AOL dial up numbers you know, back in those days. <laughs> and uh, we uh, you know, I was going from hotel to hotel, you know, dialing in these AOL numbers, doing my college courses online, you know, and I got my bachelor's degree while I was traveling around. Uh, you know, you just got to make, put forth the effort. And if you do, you'll get more in return, you know, and it'll work out and you'll be rewarded for it. But yeah, they'll pay for anything. Uh, 
you know, you got the GI Bill for when you get out. You got tuition assistance while you're in. Uh, I mean, just a lot of opportunities. Yeah, there sure are. And uh, But now you've changed from that career into something else. Uh, let's talk in general, though about transitioning. I know, you know, I work with a lot of military folks and helping them transition. And uh, one of the things that I hear often, and I'd like to hear how you were able to deal with this challenge, is the community that you're part of becomes almost like a family from the my experiences with other folks. How do you prepare yourself for that transition? And then what advice would you give after that transition into the civilian world? Uh, well, you, you got to prepare for it, plain and simple. Um, if you just, if you're in for four years, 24 years, like myself, it's all about the same. Um, the people you work with every day in the army, for me, uh, they became family members. I mean, the guys I was on the team with the parachute team, I mean, those guys I still hang out with now, uh, guys that are all over the country, they've retired, moved on and we still have contact every year. We have a reunion every other year. You know, it comes a really close knit. Um, the The lifestyle in the army was uh, it's not like anywhere else you could get. Um, I kind of like akin it to college life, but it really isn't because it's you. The experiences that you have, you kind of get a bond. And then when you get out, oh man, it's a big drastic change, and there, a lot of people have a hard time with it. Uh, I had a little bit of hard time with it when I got out. I, I'm, I lined myself up with a job for when I got ready to retire. And I think most, most guys have been, or most soldiers have been in for, you know, 20 years getting ready to retire. They all, most of them know that they've got to, they've got to, um, prepare themselves when they retire for that next career, if they're going to have one. Uh, and usually they're ready to go, but, uh, some people, they just don't know what to do when they get out. They haven't taken advantage of all the opportunities to set themselves up. Uh, when I retired, I had a job lined up waiting for me. In fact, the people that I got hired, they were, when are you going to retire? When are you going to retire? Uh, let us know so we can you know, come out and start working with us. And six, eight months before, I was going with them on uh, jobs. Uh, I take leave and go with them on a job site to help out. And then they just hired me, and I moved out to Dallas for about a year. Got out there and uh, I struggled. I really did, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't financial struggle. It's more of uh, uh, not being able to fit into the civilian community. My work ethic was probably different than a lot, and it's nothing bad against any you know people I work. They were great people. I probably worked with the best civilians I've ever had in my life. They were awesome. It was a dream IT job, of the information technology uh, background, and uh, it was a great job. And uh, I just it was hard to adjust. Uh, at that time I was going through some medical issues that I had to deal with. And in that area, there was no, nobody took TRICARE, which is the military's, uh, medical insurance. Uh, so I had to drive down to Fort hood, Texas, which is about a three hour drive from Dallas whenever I needed something. And that put a lot of strain on my employer and me, you know? Uh, so I made the decision that I, you know, as much as I liked the job, I needed to move back to Fort Bragg area where, and the funny thing is, like my kids, they also were in the same way. They were like, Dad, we really miss being back around the military base. And uh, so we moved back here to Fort Bragg area, Fayetteville, North Carolina. And uh, it all worked out, and I felt more at home. Uh, I was around the guys that I had been working with for many years. So, you know, the environment is military, and uh, that's all I'd known for my whole adult life. And it just felt comfortable. 
Now, not everybody's going to do that. You have some people that just, oh, I'm done. I'm getting away from it as quick as I possibly can. And then they do great. And some, you know, move away. And I've known a bunch of people that have moved right back to where they retired, where the base they were at before they got out because they just wanted to be around those folks, you know. It is tough. It really is. Uh, and uh, you go to like I, I worked at a couple of different jobs after I got out and uh, I just my work ethic was different. You know, I'd, I'd show up to work early and nobody's there yet. And I'm waiting on everybody. And uh, it's because the Army teaches, you know, you always got 15 minutes before any formation that you had to be at a work call. And usually you're there 15 minutes before that 15 minutes. So you end up being there like, it's just, it's crazy. And uh, so you're, you're always on time. And especially being on the, on the army parachute team, on the Golden Knights, we timing is everything. And uh, you are never, ever late for anything when you're on the parachute team. Uh, that was a, a big no, no. And um, you'll get left behind. <laughs> uh yeah, so it, it, that was ingrained in me and, you know, getting out in the civilian world and you see people come in two, sometimes three hours after work, after duty day or call the duty day, but their work day starts and nobody says anything. I'm like, how is this possible? You know, and they still got a job. But uh, but, yeah, it, it, you just have to make sure that you prepare for it uh, and then hopefully you like what you're doing when you get out. And, uh, you know, for me, it wasn't. I was working an IT job. That's all I did uh, part time as my, my on the side, and my hobby was computers and uh, kind of like yourself, Carl. And uh, uh, I never gotten deep like you did, but um, uh, the company I worked for, the like I said, was a dream job. But it just, I just there was that missing part of it of life, and uh, I came back and I couldn't be any happier, you know, where I'm at now. And then transitioning to flight training, I basically. I knew I wanted to fly and, and it just came a point where I started getting my ratings right before I retired. Couldn't stop. And uh, when I moved back to Fayetteville here, I started getting more ratings, got my commercial ratings. And then one day out of my actually my former boss, which is a funny story, but uh, he said, hey, there's a school here. You need to get your, your flight instructor rating. And uh, how would you like to come work at this flight school? And I was like, I don't want to be a flight instructor. <laughs> I had no, no, no dream of ever being a flight instructor. And, uh, he kept pushing and said, yeah, do it. And I was like, so I went and did it and army paid for, it, uh, through vocational rehab and, uh, they paid for it and came back, got hired by this company where I'm working at now. And a week later, the guy that, uh, he's a former army, uh, American airlines captain. He's passed at the desk one day and he goes, Hey Dave, how would you like to buy me out? And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, here's the keys to the, the office. It's all yours. I'm out. <laughs> I was like, <Wow>. what? <laughs> and so here I am now, you know, and I would have never dreamed that I would be a flight instructor and enjoy it as much as I do. I'm, I love that you brought that up because there are so many people that say, I'm not sure I'd want to be an instructor. I'm not sure if I'd like it. And I try to convince people, hey, give it a shot. Uh, try it out because you know what? You might find out like myself, you absolutely love it. Uh, it it's just, it's a wonderful thing. And you know, as far as instructing in your life, what's your favorite part of uh, being a flight instructor? I like watching the people go from zero flight time to solo, and then they do that solo part. And then when they come back on their first solo cross country, th those two times right there are just like inspiring. I And I talk about this a lot to other people, and it's like there's a, a young, uh, well, he's a retired teacher. And uh, he had gotten out of it, and his wife got sick, and he had to stop, and he came back. And that was right about the time I started 
And uh, we started training again. And about eight months after I got there, I finally got him. He got him soloed. And uh, he walked around the backside of the school and he just he shook his hands up in the air. And he's like, oh, my gosh, that was so awesome. You know, and it was, it was amazing. And then we took him to his check ride. He passed his check ride and uh, he sat in the airplane for five minutes, just just crying from, you know, being so happy about getting his pilot's license, something he didn't want to have done all his life. That right there, it just, that's what it does for me. And whenever I see that, and now everybody tries, but they, just the pure uh, accomplishment that they feel, I feel it with them, you know, and uh, that keeps motivated. Because, you know, flight instruction, as you know, it's it's not easy sometimes. It's long hours. It's uh, It can be monotonous and doing the same thing over and over again, but it's always with somebody different. So you get a little bit of uh, uh, differences there, but that's about it. <laughs> that's most of the same stuff. And some people ask me, well, when are you going to quit? And I'm like, I don't know. And they tell me I can't fly no more, I guess. <laughs> you know, it's interesting when you said that one of the things you realize is that your flight instructor is your flight instructor forever. And you have that relationship for the rest of your life, kind of like in the military. Those are your friends forever. And just like with your your flight instructor is your flight instructor forever. As a matter of fact, even to this day, 20, 25 years later, someone will say, hey, you know, here's my flight instructor. And I haven't flown with a person in decades. Um, but you, you've imparted some incredibly important knowledge and hopefully great advice to them. Uh, but they also become somewhat almost like part of your family, just like some of the, your, your ex-military buddies. Yeah, I have people that uh, have gone on and uh, done some really great things. I have students that they move away and they say, hey, I'm out here flying with this person. What do you think about this, you know, this type of training, what way he's training me? And I'm like, well, you know, maybe you might uh, want to consider a new flight instructor. <laughs> but, you know, and I've had people go on. I've had uh, one. She, she uh, just recently this past summer, she was in the Naval Academy and she came off on her, her time off to get her pilot's license to put in for the uh, Navy flight program. And uh, her goal was to get her private license. She did it in 15 days. Uh, she took her check zero to 15 days. She was done. And uh, she got picked up. She texted me. She goes, I picked, I got picked up for flight, flight program in the Navy. She is super excited. And I just told her, I said, don't forget me when you become a blue angel. <laughs> so I'm going to be looking for a ride. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's awesome. And, and obviously you're going to follow her through you, through her career, oh, yeah. but you follow all your students. You find out, I do the, I don't know about you, but I still go looking for my students and say, Hey, what are you up to now? Have you been flying, et cetera? Um, yeah. And, and now that I'm back into flight instructing again, it's, it's really, really cool because I, I go grab those students I haven't flown with in decades and say, Hey, let's go up in the airplane again. Uh, and it, and you feel like a kid again. That That's yeah. for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. You I've know, had many, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say just, uh, I was going to back up a little bit though. There was a couple things that you said before, and I wanted to focus on the whole uh, military side of things. You sure. talked about, and we've talked about this on the podcast, but you said voc rehab or vocational rehab and some other things that uh, people can use, like their GI Bill, et cetera. Uh, what, for those that don't know, they're looking at getting out, because they may have heard of this, but they may not know the specifics. Where did you find the information, and what can you tell people is available to them when they do get out of the Army or the military in general? Yeah, when they go through, when most people uh, in the Army, I'm not, I can't speak for the other branches. I know what the Army does is that uh, right before you get out, you have to go through a, a transition program, and they have a bunch of programs that tell you about your medical and uh, all the programs that are available to you as a veteran. Um, one of them is education benefits, and uh, 
those with GI Bill, how to use the GI Bill for different things. And then the other is voc- vocational rehab. Um, and it's a very little known uh, program. A lot of people, you say, what's vocational rehab? They don't have a clue. And it's amazing because uh, vocational rehab is is really, really good. Um, it's not, I'm not going to say you can go in there and you can get vocational rehab to pay for all your flight training because that's not how it works. You've got to go in there with a plan. Um, and I've, I've talked to, I don't know how many people from when I was on another podcast, uh, they, they'll contact me and I, I'll walk them through the steps and everything. And uh, you've got to go in with a plan for the vocational rehab because they, they want you to get to a job. That's their whole goal is to provide everything you need to get to that job. So for instance, if you wanted to be and just speak for flight training, if you wanted to get become an airline pilot, we all know you got to get 1500 hours. Uh, you got to go through all those steps. And I, I said, uh, you got to lay it out from the time after you get, cause they won't pay for private pilots, just like GI bill. Um, so instrument through your 1500 hours, how are you going to get there? And you have to lay it out with them, show them it's a, you got to go through a degree producing school and, uh, you lay it out and they send you uh, to the school. They pay for everything. They'll, you know, I got my Bose A20 headset paid for by vocational rehab, which is awesome. <laughs> uh, wow. I've got, they, they will pay for anything you need, an iPad, a computer, all the books, anything you need to, to get to where you need to be. Now they don't pay for, you know, time building, of course, but uh, they'll pay for everything. And the difference between the GI Bill, where, well, that's the same thing as GI Bill. Well, it's not really because GI Bill has a cap every year, which is I think, and don't quote me on this, I'm just going off some numbers I've been hearing lately, it's 13,600 a year. Uh, whereas Voc Rehab can be anywhere from 55 to 65,000, depending on what, who you talk to. And they say they can give you more if they need it. So you can see the big difference there, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the only, drown, the only really downside for using GI Bill and vocational rehab is you're not gonna get it done fast. Um, because you only can do one rating a, a semester, you can't double up on ratings. So you can't say, "Oh, I'm gonna get my instrument rating done," and as soon as I get done, I'm jump right into my commercial. Uh, they won't let you do that. So you can see it's gonna take a little couple years down the road to get it done. Now, if you've already got the ratings and you need different rating, you know, advanced ratings like commercial single, commercial multi, your CFI. Um, if you're at those stages in your your flight career, then you know, you might be able to get a little bit quicker, but I'm just saying if you started from instrument, you're going to need some time to get it done. Um, but it's great, uh, great program. Uh, I highly recommend it. Um, it does take a process and it's not going to be easy, but it, it does work. I think a lot of people don't know about it. And it's interesting because I, I work with a lot of folks that are using Voc Rehab. And I think the common question is, you know, how do I qualify? And I'm not sure if I can. Well, you just need to find out. Uh, you just have to start applying. So uh, yeah. what, what would your advice be there? Well, what I would say is, okay, uh, now unless this has changed, you need at least 10% uh, disability rating, which just about every person who gets out of the military can get 10%. Um, as long as you have that 10% rating, you're good to go. Go talk to your uh, vocational rehab uh, center. Usually they're found on military installations. Uh, some of them are out, you know, where there isn't a military installation, they'll be at your VA centers. They can help you out and send you in the right direction. Just contact. There's one in every county that I know of. And uh, you just contact your local VA rep in your county and uh, they'll lead you in the right direction. But, yeah, definitely jump on that. If you have at least a 10 percent disability rating, you're eligible. Another thing is they also pay for your 
uh, we call BAH, which is your uh, living expense. They will give you a living expense just like they do with the GI Bill. I think that's actually one of the biggest things is the BAH it, is uh, it's it's very very helpful. Oh, very much so, especially if you're trying to do it full time and get you know your college degree at the same time. Uh, you know, got to study all that studying going on, especially for the instrument rating, right? Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a challenge, but it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, and you know, you've gotten a rating afterwards. That's for darn sure. All of them, yeah. actually, they're all challenging in their own way. But I love the instrument. is uh, It's a lot of thought. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, now there, there's so many other programs out there. We talked about GI Bill and Voc Rehab. Another thing that, uh, and one of the things I really want to talk to you about because this is a discussion I've been having a lot with some of the folks over at Fort, Fort Hood is uh, this whole thing. It's called credentialing assistance that I think a lot of folks don't understand. So I think you have a little knowledge on that. So what do they mean by credentialing assistance? Okay, so the credentialing assistance program is fairly new. Uh, Fort Hood has had it for almost a year now. Uh, they were one of the first, there was three uh, program, pilot programs, and then Fort Hood, Fort Campbell, and there was one other. I couldn't tell you what it is, but we have a near out here. We just got it at Fort Bragg this past October, uh, and it's kind of like tuition assistance. So when you're on active duty in the Army, and I think most of the branches have tuition assistance, you get a pot of, there's like $4,000 of money that you can use to pay for your college, uh, any training while you're in, while you're active duty. So the credentialing assistant program now just steps it outside where tuition assistance was just for actual college classes. Credentialing programs going towards technical types of things that are, as long as you get a certificate at the end, the Army will pay for that. Um, they, you can be, I just found this out today, you could be guard reserve uh, and you can be eligible for the program. Uh, so you'll, for flight training alone, it's just, uh, you go to the education center, you have to take a briefing. Uh, once you get done the briefing, you find your flight school, uh, that's vetted and approved. Uh, the flight school does not have to be part 141, which is obvi- is very unique because anytime you use GI bill or vocational rehab, you have to be a 141 flight school. Uh, so at my school, we're part 61 and we've been vetted. So they go to the education center, they get the briefing, they call our flight school, they get a quote, they submit the quote to, uh, through the program to the cool it's an army cool website uh and i think you have a link for that mm-hmm. um they submit it um once they get approved they'll get a army sends uh, the flight school a check for four thousand dollars and the student and the the soldier can fly off the uh off that money uh now we all know flight training is not four thousand dollars right <laughs> uh, yeah so uh the big thing i always i get a lot of people saying well is there any way we can make it just four thousand dollars well I know. I always joke with them. I say, "All right, I'll fly for free if you want to pay for my, you know, car payment this month, you know, type thing." But uh, it helps. Just think of it as like a scholarship for flight training, just like the scholarship programs that you you mentioned earlier. And uh, you know, you fly that money off, and then you can either do it uh, wait till you get the money, or you can uh, you can fly it off. You know, start your flight training before you even get approved, and then pay for it as you go. At our school, we pay as you go. It's not a um, uh, payment all the way, you know, full at one time. So that makes it pretty unique for most of the people around here. As you pay, as you fly, uh, you get your rating, they'll pay $4,000 per, per fiscal year. And then, uh, you get, uh, if you get done, you have to be done by the fiscal year, or unless they have, there's some other ways about going it where you can split it up in two fiscal years. I'm not sure every school is going to do it a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. And it's not just flying, by the way. There's other things, like dispatchers and, and all sorts of different things out there. So. Any, 
Yeah, anything that will pay will get a credential. I think even the AMP program right. is being approved. Uh, I've heard because uh, we're at, we're Fort Bragg. It's a lot of skydiving. There's a lot of parachuting going on around here. Uh, the skydiving center has been approved to pay for skydiving lessons. You know, that's a really really unique program. That's pretty cool and uh, a great opportunity for soldiers to take advantage of. And I'm not sure if any of the other branches have it yet. You know, hopefully they will, and that'll help a lot more people get into aviation. You know. Right. Oh, yeah. And it, it is huge, though. And it, it's a new program in the Army. And also, like I said, I'll, I'll look into some of the other branches, too, to see if someone actually is listening and knows about those programs, obviously, right in. Um, but you can find that. And like I said, I'll have some of those links out there. It's uh, on the, the Army's homepage, but also on the, the cool website, like you said, OSD and dot mil. Uh, but those will be in the in the show notes. And then there's a, the approved schools, like you said, which is yours. And we didn't even mention that's uh, it's Cape fear aviation. Is that right? Dot com. Yes, sir. Yeah. yeah. And Cape. So yeah. that, that school is, uh, tell us a little bit about it. Actually, where are you located and what do you folks do? Sure. Uh, we are in Fayetteville, North Carolina, which is our air force at five miles South. We're just outside the, uh, cl- uh class Charlie surface area, which is kind of unique. Uh, we, it's a small mom, privately owned, Airfield, uh, the owners, Dale and Sydney Smith, had bought it back in 1984. And they just, it was primarily a, uh, a little strip to do some uh, ag work, to do some ag spraying. Uh, and they just turned it into just an open for people to come in and fly in, put a bunch of hangers on it. And it's grown over the years. Uh, the flight school has been around. We always had a flight school on the field, but it, it's gone through different owners. Uh, now their son, Scott Smith, owns the flight school. He owns all the airplanes, and he is the IA and AMP, so he maintains all the aircraft as well. So it makes it really nice. We don't have to go anywhere to get maintenance or take time a lot of time down with the aircraft. Uh, the unique thing about our airport is we got a 30-foot-wide runway, <laughs> and it scares quite a lot of people. <laughs> a lot of people don't want to come in there. <laughs> but I'm telling you, like I always tell, uh, like we talk about on the Golden Knights, the size of the target never changes, just the obstacles around it. Well, the size of the center line never changes no matter what airline, what airport you go to. It's always the center line, right? Right. So, exactly. So, as long as you land center line, you'll be good to go. I love it there. It's uh, it's quiet. We, we have people come hang out, watch us fly all day. And uh, we have, currently, we have uh, six aircraft. We're getting ready to buy two more Cessna 150s and another 172 here shortly. We have a Piper Aztec for our multi. And uh, we turned one of our 172s into a uh, TA airplane so we have an aspen evolution with a dual autopilot um and you know i think the the best part about a school is that it's quiet we don't have the distractions you have at bigger airports where you have to taxi out for 20 30 you know 20 minutes sometimes i know people at fable when i had my airplane at fable uh, there's times where it take me 15 minutes 20 minutes to get off the airport because of incoming traffic or, you know, you're taxiing around waiting. Um, so we can get right on the runway, be out in the training area in five minutes and get the training really quick. You know, and I think that's why we do so well. We teach everything. Um, I have every rating, uh, can teach, uh, you know, private pilots through CFIs. And just last year, I, I trained, uh, six new CFIs. I already got one this already this year. I got another one taking her check ride on the 10th. And, uh, you know, we produce quite a bit of pilots. Um, we were named uh, the flight school of the year for the eastern, I think it's the mid-Atlantic region, whatever they call it here, from AOPA for the last two years. I was nominated as the flight instructor of the year 2017 for the same region, which doesn't really mean much. But <laughs> uh, 
Well, it says something about what you guys are doing and what you're doing. That's uh, for sure. We're yeah. We did uh, last year alone. We uh, created uh, 27 new private pilots, and uh, I did six commercial, six instrument, and six new CFIs last year at our own little tiny little school that we have. I think we racked up. I don't even know how many hours of flight training. It was quite a bit, um, but we stay busy quite a, all the time. Uh, in fact, the DP, he's like, I guess uh, I was talking to him the other day and he said, yeah, you feed me probably most of my students I do throughout the month. So pretty cool about that. That's, that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. You know, interestingly what you said and not, you know, I'm, I'm not being paid by Cape Fear Aviation in any way, but one of the things when you're looking for a school, people always ask me this, is there's a couple things. You know, how fast can you get my training done, meaning how much time I'm spending taxing around? I mean, the other day I spent 30 minutes just getting to the end of the runway. Uh, wow. An airport like where you are, uh, you can be on the runway within 5, 10 minutes. And uh, 10 minutes may even be a long time to get out to the runway. Uh, the other thing, too, that I, I think people overlook when they're looking for a good flight school is talk to them about maintenance, dispatch reliability is actually what we talk about. Having somebody on staff that's a mechanic, every school that I've even been a chief instructor at or have worked for that has had a mechanic there to fix things has done much better for the student because if it's broken, they'll fix it right away, which is awesome. And I'm sure that's what you see in your operations is the fact that if it's broke, they can fix it real quick. Yeah, we just taxi right down to the to the owner's hangar right there at the end of the runway, and he takes a look at it and says, "Hey, it's good to go," or "Hey, we're, let me fix this real quick," and puts us on the back in the air right away. That's, I think, one of the. I was reading some of the comments on our uh, some of the reviews on different on Google and our Facebook page, and uh, one of the things they mentioned was the fact that we have little downtime, and they were mm-hmm. quick to fix something right away uh, to keep us rolling. And uh, I like that. Uh, I hear a lot of you know, horse stories from other places where they, you know, uh, if you know, you get a flat tire, it's not going to be fixed till next week, you know, sometimes, you know, yeah, and that, they're really good about that. A big plus for your school. That's, that's for sure. And so if yeah. you're looking at flight schools, that's something, that, something to think about. Um, but, uh, but Dave, going back to, you know, this whole transition, you're, you became a flight instructor and this is like your second career. Um, is what's next for, for you? You know, everybody asks me that. In fact, my examiner <laughs> that I sent to everybody, I'm always seeing him. In fact, I'll see him Saturday. He said, how long do you keep doing this? And I, I told him, he said, I don't know, probably forever, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I did go to the airlines for just quite a bit, for about a, not quite a year. Uh, it wasn't, wasn't for me. No, I'll just leave it at that. Right. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't, I didn't enjoy it. I was always thinking about what's going on back at the flight school because I would still stay in touch with the the school and I would come back on my days where I was free to come back and sit around and talk to the students and even train when I could. Um, and it just, it had me go in there to realize that, okay, this isn't for me. The flight training is. And, uh, so I don't know, uh, who knows, maybe I've asked him asked to go fly corporate, uh, for a local person around here and wanted me to go fly their jet with them. It'd be cool. I, when I did fly the jet, I loved it. It was fun. Uh, the first 10 minutes and the last 10 minutes. <laughs> you probably know what I mean by that. <laughs> uh, and uh, that's what I tell everybody. Like, well, didn't you like it? What do you like about it? I said the first 10 minutes, the last yeah, 10 exactly. minutes. The takeoff and the landings. Yeah. And the views were awesome, too. You can't yeah. beat the spectacular views. You know? Um, you like excitement, maybe, sounds like. I, I do. And uh, I, I was still jumping for a while after I got out. And I was on a one of the former one of the gold knights i was on the team with he created his 
own parachute team on the side and uh we jump for uh air shows we do the same thing basically we run the team uh just on a smaller scale and uh the big thing we did there was we take uh wounded warriors on jumps uh gold star families and gold star families are those who've lost uh, a family member to the wars we take them on jumps uh you know we jump in all kinds of events but as I, my flight search got bigger uh i haven't had time to go do that as much so i might try to get back into that but you know if a, if a, if a job came along uh hey i need somebody to fly in this jet would you be willing to go do it i probably would you know every once in a while but I think my heart's really into flight training and uh, it really shocked me when I realized that that's, this is what I want to do, you know, and people say, well, you, you, you never have any time off. Why would you want to do that? You know, it's stressful. To me, it's not stressful. I'm at ease when I'm in the plane with a student. I feel comfortable there. You know, everybody says, well, don't you want to make more money? And, you know, it's not always about the financials, right? Uh, Yeah, I could go to the airlines and work the next 15 years, maybe get to the majors and make, you know, bigger money. But to me is if I want to take a week off and go to France, I did it. I didn't have to ask anybody, you know, if I want to take two, the weekend off. I take the weekend off. I want to take two days off during the week. Who do I answer to right. other than my students? And as long as you plan it out, you know, it's, it's not bad, you know, and I have my own schedule and uh, I'm happy. <laughs> so that that's actually, and I love that you, you do this. And I love the fact that there are people that are full-time instructors out there and absolutely love what they're doing. I actually, I'm one of those people that gets to hang out with a lot of them. And and I was the opposite side. I th- I didn't think I was going to the airlines, and I did. I enjoy it for certain reasons. It, ha- it gives me a lot of days off. Um, but one of the things I-, I would love to hear from you is what were some of those challenges, you think, as far as being an airline pilot that uh, might turn some people off to the, the, the job itself? You first go there, and you know, you're on reserve. <laughs> um you're always waiting to be called to go fly and you got that bag sitting by the door ready to go. There's months I fly hundred hour months as a flight instructor, uh, my 80 hours a month, you know, with airlines, you might fly 35, 45 hours. Yeah. You're getting paid the 75, but sure the airlines is the right place. You know, right. if you want to really fly a lot, you know, uh, but it's, it's my experience is a lot different than most. And, uh, you know, I, I always tell everybody take advantage of it, go check it out. You know, you don't have to stay if you don't, don't yeah, want exactly. to. You, you've tried it. And I, I did it. I, and, and honestly, I never even wanted to go to the airlines. I was kind of a little peer pressured into it. I, I know it's a bad, I shouldn't say it like that, but it was kind of, you know, hey, you got to go to the airlines, man. They're hiring right now. You know, it's the best time to get in while you can. You know, you got plenty of time. And bad part about me is I always like a challenge. I always have a goal. And yet when you ask me about what I'm planning on next, that's the problem I have right now that I'm struggling with is what's my next goal? And I don't know. And uh, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say a lot of people uh, are on that fence. You know, should I or should I not? And uh, I love the fact that you actually tried it, though. I, I think a lot of people said, "No, that's not for me." Well, you don't know till you, you try it. And I know a lot of folks that have come back from the airlines, and uh, you know, I work with them at the, this college and everything, and and they it just wasn't uh, the thing that was for them. Uh, so this worked out perfect, uh, being back flight instructing full time, and it has for you too. Got guys that I've sent to the airlines that I've trained and are at the airlines now, and you know most of them were pretty good. They they're doing it because they that's a career for them now. Um, but a lot of them left. They went there and then they walked away from it. 
Dude, this has been awesome. I would love to have you back on the show again at some point to talk more about you know what you're doing and, and maybe answer some of the questions. Obviously, people can write in feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com to, and then we'll forward those questions on to you. But to find you, I, I always like to tell people about your Instagram. It's instagram.com slash gkdave. Uh, I think that's a really cool account. You have some really neat pictures. Uh, but uh, is there anything else you want to share other than Cape Fear Aviation uh, where people can find you? Uh, my Instagram, that's where you'll find me mostly. I don't, I don't get on Facebook very often, to, uh, try to stay away from all that stuff, but, uh, cause I would bore everybody with my pictures of flying on Facebook if I was just there. Right. right. <laughs> uh, but, uh, I got a pretty good following on, on Instagram and I'll answer anybody's questions. I get questions all the time. Uh, contact me and then I can, uh, we'll, we'll talk offline off Instagram. Uh, but yeah, check our website out, capefearaviation.com. We do have an Instagram account as well that I maintain, and that's at CFA Flight Training. You know, and, uh, just be happy to help anybody. I'm happy to help, uh, especially the, the veterans out there that are looking for help trying to figure out this GI Bill, Boca Rehab issue. And, uh, well, Dave, I really appreciate you doing that. I really appreciate all you've done for, for those veterans and also for those folks that are out there uh, in the instructing world. And I love the fact that you love what you do. And, uh, and that's what it's all about, enjoying your life, making a living, doing something you really, really enjoy. And that's something we do here in aviation. And Aviation Careers Podcast, that's what we promote. But uh, Dave, I can't wait to, to see you sometime when I get up to the Fort Bragg area. Son of Fun, so hopefully I can run into nope. you down there. Yeah, come by the radio station, Son of Fun Radio. I'm there all day. Guy in the orange shirt, gray hair, hard to miss. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, one, one thing that I do want people to know is that uh, you know, look at a career and whatever it may be, it's in flight instructing and anything that you do in flight in flying or, uh, whatever it is you want to do. If you want to be a dispatcher, a mechanic, but try things out just like Dave's done. He's a great example. And if you have any questions, obviously on all the things that we talked about, as far as the military and voc rehab, we can, we can answer some of those for you or get those answers. But something I really want to encourage you to do is that, you know, we've listened to this now, you're at the end of the podcast, I want you to, to make sure that you don't stop here. I want you to actually take action. Do something now, do something today to move forward in your career. And, what, and to do that, it may be, you know, pulling off to the side of the road, uh, writing down a note, looking up the show notes and clicking on it, save it to your bookmarks, save it for something you're going to read later. Uh, you might want to call someone, talk to them about this, or write to, to Dave, go on, on his Instagram account, but do something today to move forward in your career, in your life. We'll talk to you next episode and safe flying. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.